All right, welcome into episode 73 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. Why are you talking like that? Well, because I figured if I got the names out quicker, you guys wouldn't jump in with your shenanigans. No, 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 not a chance. No, see? It worked, kind of, until now. No. I'm paralyzed by your bookie voice. (laughs) I don't think it's going away. In fact, I think it's going to get worse as the show goes on, so get used to it. Just uh, think of me as somebody who lives in Las Vegas in a warehouse and takes bets, apparently. No windows? One window, but it's too high. It just lets a little bit of light in. I don't know what happened to my voice. But uh, I'm running with it. How you guys doing today? Craig's happy because the Blackhawks are going to win the Stanley Cup. Well, other than the wig thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we will get into uh, to Chicago here in a little bit. That's. I watched that game and just got angrier as it went on, which is a shame because it was a good game. But we'll Why'd you get that. angry? Because I, I'm so validated and so right <laughs> from everything I said for like the last 30 episodes of this show. It's, they still have to get to the Cup final. Yes, they do, but you figure the first round's a cakewalk, the second round's a round they will win, the third round, they basically have one challenging series. That they're they're going to play the St. Louis Blues in round one right now. I wouldn't say that's a cakewalk. Mm. I'm calling we, it a cakewalk. Okay. There cakewalk for them. And it might be win. without David Backus there, I don't know. They will know. win the series, how's that? Yeah, Whether I kind of think they, they would beat the Blues yes. this year. Yeah. In fact, why don't we just go around the room right now, gentlemen. If you had to pick who you think is going to come out of the Western Conference this year, who would you take? I'll go first. I'll go with Chicago, who I picked in August. I'll go still with the San Jose Sharks, yeah. who I picked in August. I know, Jamie. He's going to still go with San Jose. Greg? I have no comment. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's start. He's combing with, his hair. Let's, let's start with the trade deadline. I've, I've been looking for wigs. I'm, I'm trying to find a good one. I may have somebody, like, make one for you. <laughs> just out of yarn. You could, it's too bad we could ask Carlson to cut his hair the last time he was here. Just give us the hair. <laughs> make something out of it. Yeah, go ahead and go up, Can walk I just, up to Eric Carlson and say, can just, I have your hair? I'm just thinking extensions. I just glue these on. How long does he have to keep this, Jamie? Six months? Oh, see, we haven't even talked about that. Oh, yeah. We have, we have, Six months is not happening. It's permanently. It's not going into well, the next season. How many has to do it like throughout the cup final? Because all the bet is that they come out of the West. That's true. I mean, so like, I'm wearing long. this out like with my children? Well, yeah. yeah. I think if they win the Stanley Cup, which was not the bet, it should go to a whole new level. Like, he should have to get it permanently attached for one yeah. calendar. Part of the year. job is embarrassing your kids at, at school, so. It's not happening. Okay, that's fine. Let's, uh, let's start with the trade deadline here. It's a week away, eight yes, days sir. away. A week. It's a yes. week. Exactly okay. one week. All right, so uh, there's been one trade. Hopefully that's not the only trade that happened. Michael <laughs> Stone to the Calgary Flames for a third-round pick and a conditional fifth-round pick coming back to Arizona. Oh, we're not talking about Keegan Lowe for Philip Samuelson? That's not the one trade you were? I was going to You know, s- don't bury the lead, I guess. I should well, have started with that. Okay. Is that about what you expected for Michael Stone, Craig? It's exactly what I expected for Michael Stone. I'm not sure why. Actually, I am certain <laughs> why people thought he was worth four because people don't understand the market and no. overvalue their own players. Michael Stone brings a third-round pick. That's, that's exactly what the market is for him, and any executive you talk to will tell you the same thing. So, yes, they got exactly what I thought they would get for him. We all thought he was going to be moving because they hadn't had any contract talks with him, and then they've got some other pieces that they want to push in there. Jacob Chikrin, as General Manager John Chica talked about, has made so much progress that they just feel like they have other pieces they can plug in now, and it just made sense to move Michael Stone at this point. And he promptly jumped in, and Chikrin did, and had a goal his yes. first game, and, and nearly had a second goal. So he's going to get more ice time. Kevin Connaughton will probably 
get to play in more games. They called up Anthony D'Angelo. They've got Kyle Wood down at the AHL level, who maybe you'll see next year. We've said on the show a number of times they would probably like to add a top-pairing defenseman anyway. So at that point, Chad Kirk. how many <laughs> how many uh, defensemen can you Well, keep? that's the thing, yeah. I mean, you, at some point you just have no spots left. Now, I'm not saying they're going to get Shattenkirk in the offseason because if he gets to the offseason, if he doesn't get dealt at the trade deadline, there are going to be a lot of teams in pursuit of him. But the Coyotes can offer some pretty attractive things to Kevin Shattenkirk. One, you can play with Oliver Ekman Larson for a long time, and they can probably offer him a whole lot of money because they have a whole lot of money coming off the books this year. But that's that's way down the road. That's, and there's nice weather. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, there's nice weather, too, and players kind of retire here because they like it so much. And, you know, there's fairly am- – and, and, wow, this is going really bad – anonymity. Wow. <laughs> Why would you start the podcast uh, right, let's, with the most difficult let's, word ever? Yeah, I know. Let's re- just restart the whole thing. Okay, hi, I'm Jamie Eisner here with Luke. No, it's too late. No, it's too that, late. That, my original intro was just so good. The media can't. pressure isn't as, as great here. There we go. I should just go on with that. Smaller words. Yeah, here versus New York. Yeah, yeah it's, it's basically it's Craig Morgan and Sarah McClellan versus the 80 million people that are going to be in New York and then half the New York Post writers who pretend to be journalists. You get to be a part of something, working from the ground up. Ooh, I guess it won't be the ground next year. Yeah. It'll be like year two or but whatever. But don't cross Craig Morgan. That's true. He will take you down. That's, oh. Kevin. This is um, <laughs> specifically Kevin. Kevin, that was just directed <laughs> that was, right at him. That was eerie. Okay. <laughs> it, it's throwing me off that you don't have a microphone in front of you. Yeah, it's throwing me off too. But, but people can hear me now, right? Yeah. Maybe you could wander off into Jamie the Jamie told me I can't even whisper the things I normally whisper to you, like encouraging things like, hey, good job, Luke. Yeah. Hey, that was a good point. People I can't say that anymore. People don't realize how often so. Craig tells me I'm doing a wonderful job because See? Jamie tears me down throughout the podcast, right. so Craig has to build me it's up. It's a good right. balance. We can't let your head get too big, but we don't want you to get too down on yourself. But now Craig can't whisper encouragement to me because yeah. everybody will hear it. We'll so. just go with hand signals from now on. Yeah. Just thumbs up. Back sure. to the Coyotes blue line. I'm sure people are tired of hearing this other conversation. Wow, just making that distinction okay. on your own. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Coyotes if if Jacob Chikrin does turn into a top four defenseman, and he's certainly trending in that direction, it's interesting the flexibility that it gives their blue line because we've assumed... You're saying for next year. Yeah, and beyond. And we've assumed that Oliver ekman Larson and Alex Goligoski would man the one-two spots on their left side for years to come, but Goligoski can play the right side. He's comfortable over there. Do they consider moving him over? And, and then if you go, if you strike gold and go land Kevin Shattenkirk, look at your top two pairings then yeah. moving forward. You're feeling really good about your blue line at that point. Again, Jacob Chikrin's development, though, just something that they didn't see coming. First of all, they didn't think they'd be able to get him on draft day, and then they didn't think he'd be playing as an 18-year-old yeah. in the NHL and contributing. So... That's changed the picture entirely Absolutely. for the Coyotes on their blue line. It, it's too bad the Red Wings couldn't use somebody like that on their blue line. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? They got they got rid of the Pavel Datsuk contract, so they had to give up, yeah, ironically, exactly what they need. Because if you think back, and this is crazy to think about this, but somebody brought it up to me yesterday, and it was, it's a good point. If you go back, what, about a year and a half, there were people that considered Chikrin potentially mm-hmm. probably the number two pick in the draft. But right there, like if you needed a defenseman, maybe you would consider it. Now, for the most part, we knew Matthews would be number one all along, but he was ahead of line A up until last season. Yeah, he fell on draft day a little bit. Because of an injury. I mean, people were considering him with the Coyotes picks. Oh, maybe they'll take Jacob Chitrin. Yeah. And he ended up falling and falling and falling until they went, well, you know what? Let's, let's not let him fall anymore. There were some, some scouts that said there was some tentative play in his own zone when he was retrieving pucks, too. So things like that maybe yeah. knocked him a little bit. But it might have been too small a sample size that they were judging him on because he— he hasn't shown those things. I mean, no. he, he's obviously still 
developing as a player, and and that side of the puck, as we know, takes takes some time yeah, to develop. Unless you're Ekblad, I mean, yeah. but yeah, an 18-year-old defenseman, right. it's it's unbelievable difficult position, and it's amazing offensive instincts for somebody his age. He really does, and and the vision you you watch him when he when he's in the offense, when he, whether he's generating it with passing or jumping up into the play, his head's always up. He's always aware of the play around him. And those are the kind of instincts that are just going to benefit them so much down the road. Yeah, I mean, the goal the other night, he has his head up and he sees two players are convulging on Tobias Reeder, and he has the whole left side of the ice to himself and walks right in for a tap-in goal. Yeah, and, and now his teammates are starting to expect him to do it mm-hmm. because he does it instinctually. You know, to your earlier point, Will he become a, number, a top four defenseman? I think that long term he's going to. I think they're almost banking on that at this point. It's just a matter of if he's able to do it by next year. But like you said, if he's able to do that by next year, then you've got some combination of Connor Murphy, Luke Shen, Kevin Connaughton, Anthony D'Angelo fighting for your five and six spots if you're able to, to sign somebody in the offseason. So it makes a ton of sense why the Coyotes would do it. What about on Calgary's side? That's a team that's right now on the cusp of a playoff spot in the West. You think Michael Stone brings them what they need? Uh, it's hard to say that he necessarily brings them what they need. I, I caught up with Brad Tree Living um, that B. night when they made that B, as we refer to yeah, him on B. this show, and asked him about it. And first of all, he, he knows Michael Stone very well. Brad was obviously the assistant GM here for a very long time, um, so he, he's familiar with his entire game. He thinks he's a style fit. They needed somebody on the right side. I think the, the, they were playing Derek Englund on their second pairing as as. Early, as late as a week ago, right? Yeah, he was playing with T.J. Brody. Brody. Mm-hmm. So whether Michael jumps right up with T.J. Brody, we'll have to see. I think he was paired with Matt Barkowski in that last game, and you know he only played 14 minutes, but you expect that in the first game. But I think they're going to experiment with that pairing at some point. And as Brad said to me, when he plays with a guy who can skate and retrieve pucks, it allows him to stabilize a little bit. And I think that's right, actually. We've seen with Michael Stone the way he's played previously. So if he can pair with TJ, and maybe he can realize that potential that he had here, or you know, get back somewhere close to the level he had last season. I wouldn't say this is like a, a game-changing trade by any means. Michael Stone still, you know, maybe a second-pairing guy. He could be a number five defenseman in this league, but they needed depth on that side, so it made sense. And as Brad said, the price made sense too. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't killing us. It was just sort of what the market price was. The other thing I would say about Michael Stone, too, and, and certainly, look, he's he's been the model of inconsistency this year and really throughout his entire career, except last year. But, you know, if you want to look big picture over the last two years, he was pretty good last year, and this year he's gotten better as the season's worn on, which would make sense coming back from the injury he came back from. So, I don't know, that was one of those trades that's, that's not huge. It's just the only trade that's happened so far that um, that made sense for both teams because Calgary doesn't have to give up a ton to add some defense uh, defensive depth, and the Coyotes weren't going to keep him anyway, so why not get a third and maybe a fifth? And the third-round pick, you can feasibly get somebody that will impact your lineup. So, And it's also assets. As, you, as you're moving for players, whether it's now or in the future, they are trade-chip pieces. Yep. Yeah, you can move up in the second round with that third-round pick or whatever. Yeah, I think so. that's, and I think that's the way to think of it as much as anything, is that it's just another asset that you can use possibly in other deals. Um, any other trades that you are anticipating here coming up in the next few days? Because the next show we do is going to be the day after the trade deadline, correct? Because Craig's going to be traveling the world. Um, Well, Buffalo. Craig's going to be traveling Buffalo. So we're going to do the actual podcast next Friday, right? Next Thursday or Friday. Okay. Or one of the days it's not not trade deadline day. Okay. So we'll be really out of date real quick. So this is our last chance to speculate 
on potential Well, moves. I mean, I think we, everybody expects Marty Hansel to get moved from the Coyotes. It's just a matter of when. I think that one is probably going to go, if not right up to the deadline, very close to it because it's simply going to drive the value higher. There are a lot of teams that are bidding on him right now, a ton of teams. So when you have that kind of demand and you're talking about one player, naturally it's going to drive up the price a little bit. So we'll, I think John Scheichel will probably play that one close to the vest for a little bit longer before they move him. But uh, around the league... It, well, here, hold on. Before we go off Hansel. Okay. And you've said this a few times, there's a ton of teams with interest in him, and it makes a lot of sense because, and we talked about this last week, um, he's the sort of player that you would want to add at the trade deadline. If you're a contender, you get a center that can, he can play in your top six or he can play at the third line, and that would be a huge bonus. He's big, he can play defense, he can score goals. He's got five now in his last six games. So there's a lot of things he can do specifically for a contender. And the knock on Mark Hansel he doesn't play a full 82 games per season. Some of that's out of his control, but if you're only signing him for two months, there's a decent chance you get him for those full two months anyway, and he's playing for a contract. So it makes a lot of sense. The team that seems to make the most sense is Montreal. Mm. But if I'm looking at it from a Coyotes perspective, I'm not sure what Montreal has that I necessarily want. Like, if if you just want to speculate here for a second, what would you be trying to get back from the Canadians for Martin Hansel? It's a good question. I know there's been a lot of speculation about McCarron, but I've been told that that speculation is a bit overblown. That was just sort of preliminary talks. So it's hard to say. I I agree with you. I mean, ideally, you'd like to be getting a center back, right? Somebody who could step into the lineup next season because when you look at the Coyotes' center position going forward, well, who's manning your top two spots? That's that's a problem area. But do people see McCarron as a top two center down the line? I, I kind of feel like that was almost to fill out your bottom six again. Yeah, I, I sort of feel the same yeah. way, so I'm not sure I'd be satisfied with that move. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not convinced he's better than the Strom Dvorak Kind of, yeah. And you can have I'll take Alchenyuk. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, if they just, I mean, but if they're doing they that, if them. Montreal's doing that, then what? What are they doing at the trade deadline, right? Or they, do they feel like they're just upgrading that because they're giving away a key piece for? Well, yeah, but this is a team that traded Hansel. This is a team that traded PK Subban for Shea Weber. So, that's, sometimes you don't necessarily have to actually get better. That's true. Um, I think you get better. I mean, there is a lot of criticism of Galchenyuk in Montreal, and some of it was criticism of how Michelle Therrien used him. But, you know, is he a number one center there is a question all the time. I don't think they would trade Alex Galchenyuk for Martin Hansel, but if they traded Galchenyuk for Hansel that helps them more this year and a prospect or a pick or something, I don't know. I don't know how down they are on Galchenyuk in Montreal, but to Jamie's point, that's more interesting to me than just another prospect that plays a position the Coyotes already have prospects at. And that's yeah. that's, that's the, one of the things that complicates this, I think, because the Coyotes are in a position now where they don't necessarily want to keep adding more prospects and saying, yeah. okay, down the road, down the road, down the road. They, they're they at a point now where they want to start moving forward in the standings. So to do that, you've got to get an existing NHL player back for them. So. Yeah, and they need three things. They need a center, they need right wing, and they need a right-handed defenseman. Yep. I mean, to, to grab more wingers that are left-handed wingers, you've got plenty of those. I mean, I... I know some people think he's dead, but Anthony Clair is not dead. Okay, he's just in the minors right now, and maybe he comes back. Maybe he's Still never going to be the same years player. Old. But I mean, you have a lot of pieces on that left side. I mean, you're playing left side pieces on the right side. Martin will play on the right side for part of the year, and so. Jamie the, McGinn could move over there. McGinn too. could move over there. So you, I mean, you, you need you need those pieces. And again, I think Hansel is going to be the biggest name that moves on the deadline. I don't think Shaq Kirk goes anywhere. I don't think Duchesne goes anywhere. I, I agree with both of those, actually. I, I think St. Louis will stand pat now, thinking they, they might be able to do something. and <laughs> Then look really bad in the summer when Kevin Shattenkirk walks away for nothing. Um, After they played Chicago in round and, one of the playoffs. Yeah, the first they round lose of the in six to Chicago. Yeah. Right. That's not going to be a good look, it's but not, not I, I think that's great. the way we're trending here. And I, again, with Colorado, I, 
I just think that the value for those players that they're talking about dealing, if you have term beyond this year, you can you can work with more teams. So you're going to get a better deal if you wait until the summer. Do you think we see a decent amount of trades this year? I know that you've been saying all along that expect them all to happen pretty close to the deadline. Yeah, and it's and it's going to be a rental market. It's not going to be. I just don't see players like that. So yeah. when, when you look at the rentals, what about goalies? Well, that's that's the other side. That's going to be tough. I mean, I I don't think Bishop's stock has been any lower in the last since he left Ottawa. I don't think yeah. his stock has been any lower. So I don't know what you're getting for him at this point. And maybe you know what? Maybe without with with Pittsburgh not you know. Not knowing what they're going to do, I don't know if they're going to move Flurry. You don't really have to protect too many of your goalies. I mean, if you if you think about it, if Murray's going to be the one that's left unexposed, he's he's don't going to Vegas. I'll just walk out of here right now. He's going to Vegas. He will be the first pick in a draft where there's not an order. But yeah, I will. I'll go right. I'll say this right now. It's not the first time I've said it. If Matt Murray is left exposed, he is the best player to ever get drafted in an expansion draft, unless there was something back in like the '60s that I don't know about. But yeah, I don't remember. I mean that's absurd. He They've got to move Flurry, right? They've got to move. How, him. Where, where, how do you mean? What do you what do you get? Do you get a team? Anything. Anything. That's Anything, I'm, I'm but, with Luke. Get him out so you can protect Matt yeah, Murray. Because you have to add into the trade, you're getting Matt Murray. Yeah. So if you're the if you're the Penguins and you yeah. trade Marc Andre Flurry for a second round pick, you're getting a second round pick in Matt Murray for Marc Andre Flurry. You have to trade him. I guess you don't have to trade him in the next week. You what what is this? No trade. Is it partial or full? He's given them a list, is my understanding. And they're still not making the trade. So I understand the logic of it'd be nice to have two goalies for a playoff run. Yeah, because he has a no-move, right? Yes. Yeah, it's no, a modified no-trade and a no-move clause. Yeah. So. They have no choice if they get to... How does this work now after the season? Could they quickly trade him before the expansion draft? I mean, that's risky. That's, I just don't see any team doing that. I don't, yeah, I don't see, why would they help the Pens? Why well, would I? Maybe. Yeah. Why would I give you an asset when I think I can just or sign anything? Him? Why would I just take him off your hands? Why would I not? Or, just oh, say, oh hey. I'm sorry. If, if you're getting flurry, yeah, you could still try and trade him. But yeah, well, it has to be a Western Conference team, doesn't it? If I'm in yeah. the East, why would I do anything? To knowing the knowing to their keep machinations, Matt right? Knowing that okay, yeah. this is also they can save Matt Murray. No, why would we I want you that? to lose Matt Murray? Yeah, but they could trade him to a Western Conference team. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got term left on his contract, and if he okay's it, sure, I, I guess that's possible. But Ryan Miller. That's agent. a really short window. I believe Ryan Miller is a free agent. I can look it up, but yes. It's I'm an option. Sure. Is an option for who? Vancouver. Oh, do, I do, see do, what do, you're do, For nothing, basically, I mean, for nothing? Calgary's hey, here's an Mark option, Andre too. Fleury for, I don't know, again, I don't know if he's on his list. I don't know who, what teams are on the list. <laughs> Calgary, if he's man. smart. Goaltending. If he was smart, he'd you see that game team. last night, by the way? Yes. yes. Uh, that was not a goaltending clinic. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was not. And, and that's the team that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know if he wants to go to Calgary, but if you're the... If, to me, he makes the most sense for a team that has, is just trying to get back into the playoffs. He, Marc-Andre Fleury will get you to the playoffs. Yeah. And I've long said he's the sort of goalie that in a seven-game series can win you the series by himself. But if he's off, he will lose you the series by himself. It doesn't matter who, what your lineup is. So, I, don't, I mean, Jim Rutherford obviously escapes a lot of criticism because he put together a team that won the Cup last year and should at least contend this year. But if they come out of this without Matt Murray, to me that's a thousand yeah. times worse than... St. Louis losing Kevin Shattenkirk for nothing because you've lost your goalie for the next yeah. twenty years. And you lost your young guy, and but to me, I think I would like, I'd like to know what teams are on his list. I think it would be hilarious. It's like Montreal, New York Rangers, yeah. Boston, right. Washington, Let Minnesota. Me all the teams with the best goalie. Chicago. He just went down the list and was like, "All right, who's going to win the Vezina this year?" 
those are my teams. All right, so we don't expect a ton of trades necessarily. I mean, you never know. One one domino could fall and it could open everything. If up. we do see a lot of trades, I think it's going to be for mid mid level guys. That, I think yeah, Hansel's I, the best guy that moves, and the second best guy that moves might be Vadim Verbata, which we'll get into a little bit later in the show. Yeah, it's weird. We're sitting here in Phoenix, and so you're you're always wondering, like, okay, well, am I just looking predominantly at the local team and and assuming most of the moves come from them just because they're right here? But I feel like this year, for the reasons you just laid out, Craig, with Colorado, they're not probably not going to. I mean, it's Colorado. Who knows? They might trade. They might go Sacramento Kings on us and trade Matthew Shane for nothing. But I would assume, for the most part, they hold on to their pieces until the summer. Who else is out? Can we rule a couple teams out? I think we should start doing that. Carolina, Detroit, Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, Detroit's out. Let's see. Buffalo, Buffalo is not. What is Buffalo's status right now? I think they're closer than you think. Um, they are much closer, actually, than you think. They're, They're only four points it. out of a playoff spot. Yeah. We're going to get into the Atlantic Division here shortly as well. What about Dallas? Is Dallas yeah, done? That's another team. Dallas I mean, needs and, and, to be done. It's, yeah. not, it's not happening. Yeah, there, it isn't. It's just not. It really isn't. It's, it's stunning to see what they did. And, again, the injuries ravaged that team, but they, haven't, they just haven't recovered. They haven't shown any sign of recovery here as they get a little healthier. Just they're bizarre. Eight points back of a playoff spot, and they're 12th in the Western Conference. So it's not even just the points. Yeah, it's not happening. Vancouver's not going to sell, but they're out. Maybe they move Burroughs, but I, I, I don't see them. New Jersey? Jersey's probably out now. I'd say Jersey, Jersey, Detroit, Carolina, Colorado, Arizona, and Dallas. I think those are the teams I think are out and probably believe they're out. Okay. Buffalo, I don't know who they would move anyway. Like they're yeah, not moving a Vander Kane, so I, there's no reason for them to. They Kane's might just do nothing at the yeah. deadline. With uh, with Detroit too, you, you've heard some of those names mentioned as well. Thomas Tatar is a guy who's going to be he's going to be an RFA after this season. Thomas Vanek. Vanek makes the most sense because he's an unrestricted yeah. free agent. By the way, anything for Vanek. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do that again. So and, I mean, and, that, anything for Vanek should be the slogan <laughs> on this show, or at least the name of the show. Um, I mean, because I look at the other teams. If, if you're Buffalo, you're just probably not going to do anything. Tampa, yeah. you have to try to make the playoffs. You're only four points back. They've yeah. picked it up lately, too. I don't, I'm and if, if, again, with Nyquist, though, from the Red Wings, yeah. he's another player where he's got term left on his contract. Yeah. I just don't see the sense in trading him right now. No. And you can wait till the summer and, and probably get more value. Yeah. And I don't think Colorado moves anybody. Well, why would you take even 80 cents in the dollar for Duchesne or Landis Cog or any of those guys? There's no, there's no reason. I, I yeah. wouldn't, but again, we just watched the Sacramento Kings trade. DeMarcus I, I give Stan Kroenke a little I, bit more credit than the, the guys. But it, I mean, again, was a guy who's probably going to get Aginla. dealt. But 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 uh, with, with with the other guys you're mentioning, with Landis Cog and and with Duchesne, I I guess you could get an offer. Someone would could wow you with an yeah. offer, and then that could change the picture. But but I again, doubt it's a playoff team. Yeah. Again, what are you getting in return? It have to be. I mean, also, also say for the sixth show in the row, they don't have to trade him. Nope. No, but they seem to feel like they have to. Can we go one step farther that they shouldn't trade them? They shouldn't. Them? Yeah, no, they shouldn't. There's no they should be to. filling in around those players. It's their depth. That's the problem. This, this is the, I hate when this happens when a team is bad. Like, let's trade all of our good players because they were the problem. No, it's the bad players that are the problem. Miko mm. Rantanen, by the way. Oof, hell of a goal he scored he's, last night. He's yeah. wow. got to be Great filthy. Player. Yeah. He's, he's, he's so far down the Calder list, obviously. He didn't play all season. He's on Colorado, mm-hmm. so nobody's even paying attention. But remember that name. He was, what was he, the 10th pick? two drafts ago, yeah. and there was a lot of people that thought maybe he could be the fifth pick. I mean, he's that good. By the um, way, if Cooper gets fired, that job would be a perfect fit for him. He's not going to at this point, I don't think. But that would Colorado? be a perfect fit. Yeah. 
just so much skill there. So much skill. A lot of young players. Cooper's been, again, the, the AHL, the NHL thing. I think that's real. Seriously. Julian would have been a good fit there. They, they need something. Because apparently it wasn't all Patrick Waugh. It was no. partly Patrick Waugh, but it wasn't all Patrick Waugh. Yeah, well, I mean, again, like, like we've said, if you, if you start looking at their forward list beyond the big names, McKinnon, Duchesne, Landeskog, and, and, and Miko Rantanen. It's, it gets bad real quick. It does get bad real quick it's and it makes level. it makes it so easy for opponents to focus on just a few key guys yeah. okay shut these guys yeah. down and nobody else is beating yeah. us on the, this roster the rest of the team has to play at least half the game yeah and they're so, not playing well also blue line help yeah what do you think would have to happen for a big trade like that i mean i i, I wouldn't necessarily agree with it but i could at least understand the thinking from colorado if if they're floating landeskog's name out there they're at least open to trading him so if some team came at them and said, okay, you've got four good players every team keys on, we're going to give you three pretty decent players and one with a ton of upside for Gabriel Landeskog, then I, I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they did it. But three, what do you, three pretty decent players. You talking about existing NHL players? Maybe like one existing NHL player and one guy that's a, you know, a rookie this year that's way, or maybe a, a draft pick or something. I don't know. I don't know what it would take yeah. to get them. But yeah. what do you think would have to happen around the league to push a team to do that? Because I guess what I'm banking on in terms of seeing trades this year is that somebody in your division makes a move and then all of a sudden you feel like you have to keep up with them and then it just turns into an arms race. To me, the only way I can see that is if a team that's either on the fringe wants to do just a roster swap. Okay, uh, here is a fairly comparable winger that just has fallen out of favor. Not just using this example because it doesn't appear to be a case. Evander Kane. Okay. I said, okay, well, let's, we, we don't want him anymore, so we're going to move Evander Kane and another piece off our team for yeah. Landis Cog. And we're going to say, okay, let's just shuffle the deck a little bit. But otherwise, I don't see a team being able to give up enough assets that warrants Colorado giving them away. Giving up, yeah, giving away a player of Landis Cog's ability. Three three players off your roster, even if they're only third liner or two third liners and a second liner for Landis Cog, and you're a playoff team, you didn't make your team better this year because you can't fill those other holes. Right, and if if you're Colorado, why are you giving up Landis Cog for prospects? You just can't do that. I don't. Unless you're, you're I, certain who that prospect is. I don't think they're guy. that far away from potentially being a contender if they do things right. Well, at least a playoff five, team. Yeah, at least a playoff team. It's not a five-year team. rebuild for them. Yeah, but I hear what you're saying, but they need Varlamov to be good Varlamov. Well, there's that. And they're still in a division that I understand that's down this year, but they're no matter what they do, they're going to enter next season as the distant seventh in the Central Division. And if they make up ground, that might get them to fifth, but that might not get them in. I mean, that, that is still a tough division that's just been down. Uh, this season. All right, since we're in the Central, transition to Chicago. Okay. Who looked fantastic last night. Oof. Um, but Taves guy's okay. What if they won seven of eight? They've turned it on the second seven half of, of the yeah, season. Yeah, they've lost one game in February. The one game they lost was to Edmonton when they completely dominated the Oilers and just couldn't score. Yeah. That would be a fun playoff season, Yeah, that was. By the way. That was Those yeah, we were teams. watching that in, in the, at Gila River. Yeah, they were like, shooting two to one in yeah, the ratio. Yeah, ten to one it was shots to start, and then they yeah. It was it just that was their first game back from the bye, actually. Yeah. So it's Which like was, they we've, couldn't we've seen straight or something, right? Yeah. Go to Vegas and bet all your money on anybody who plays a team coming off the bye but week. They have won yeah, seven of eight in February, and they have won seven straight on the road. Jonathan Taves had five points last night against the Minnesota Wild in a, a win in St. Paul, and the Blackhawks have beaten the Wild the last two times they played them, both both times in St. Paul. Taves has a total of eight points in those games. If I may. That, I, that was my segue for you. I just I, left I hate, the air open. I hate to say I told you so. No, you don't. You but it. this is literally exactly what I thought would happen. The, the Western Conference, in terms of teams that legitimately have a shot at beating Chicago in a seven-game series, that list is Minnesota and San Jose. Chicago owns Minnesota. Chicago was hanging around at the top of the division in the first half of the season, 
And I'm not saying they weren't trying, but they know what it takes to get to the playoffs and they know how to turn it on in the second half. Specifically, Jonathan Taves. The way he's playing right now is the way he always plays in the playoffs. It's probably not sustainable for 82 games, but it's sustainable for a couple months because we've seen him do it before. This is, to me, it's the same movie that we see every other year with the Blackhawks. It's what we saw with the Spurs and the NBA for all those years. It's it's an entertaining movie, but I'm not expecting a different ending. I'm more convinced <laughs> now than I was two months ago that they... I, I don't see any way they miss going to the Stanley Cup. I get the argument for San Jose, but they, two just, ways. they just went last year. <laughs> so San Jose is going to have some of that attrition. Chicago is rested in terms of what they've done. In simple history, you look at the last team that's yeah. even gone to back-to-back cup finals. It just doesn't happen. It hasn't no. happened in 10 years. So there, there's some some there's merit some. to that. Uh, to to take issue with one of your points, Jonathan okay. Tays plays well in the postseason, but he doesn't produce like this in the postseason. He hasn't, at least the last few years. This is the guy that I remember from a few years ago, when the, whether it was their 2010 cup run or their 2000. 13 cup run where he Craig was... Craig is forgetting because all the cup all, runs he, he likes the Blackhawks have made. Sorry, i got to think, which cup run was which, that? Yeah, which cup was yeah. that one? Was it the first But one the last the couple years, he's taking criticism specifically because he hasn't produced in the postseason. He hasn't been producing points. Right now, he looks like that old guy, that dominant center. Watching him last night, he was so clearly the best player on the ice. When the Blackhawks, when that line was on the ice, the Blackhawks were in the wild zone. Wild Zone the entire freaking game. It was crazy to watch. I think there's a certain element of Minnesota looks a ton better this year than they have in recent Mm -hmm. years. We've acknowledged that on this this show numerous times. But on some level, Chicago's still in their head. And if they're going to keep beating them every single time they meet leading up to the playoffs, if you're going to beat Chicago, you do it in the regular season. That's the thing. They have one more meeting this year. I think it's March 12th. They they probably need some kind of psychological edge on the Blackhawks because if they lose three straight to them... Heading into the playoffs yeah. when Chicago gets better. Because yes. this is the other thing with the Blackhawks, and I give them a ton of respect for this. You beat them once in a seven-game series, it then gets tougher to beat them for game, the, the second loss. And then it gets tougher to hand them their third loss. And it's almost impossible to hand them their fourth loss. I mean, they get stronger as the series goes on. Because they, in my opinion, have the best coach in the, it, in the game. Maybe, well, I know people, hey, panics. Mike Babcock, I know. Nobody He's, on that team panics from the coach. That, I mean, no. And he makes adjustments. He makes so many subtle in-game adjustments. He's he's a terrific bench coach. He really is, and that's that's part of what you see with the Hawks. Where I got your joke, Luke. Thank you, Jamie. I okay, I missed that. it. I'm sorry. I was no, talking. It's no, not it's even okay. Richard Panic. No, it, it wasn't that good of a joke. I was just pointing it out there. By the okay. way, before we do more Blackhawks talk, if you had to guess what the San Jose Sharks' record in the last ten games is, what do you think it is? It's one of the more bizarre ones I've seen in a while. I don't think it's that good, actually, is it? No, but I don't think it's terrible either. Four, one, and five. Okay, yeah, yeah so we were right. Yeah. <laughs> right there, just a lot of overtime Four, losses. Four, one, and five. Uh, to your earlier point on Tampa Bay, they've only lost two games in regulation in their last ten, too. So they are making their push back. But Jonathan Drew looks like a superstar. Yep. Sick playmaker. Get an- another wise, sage-like move by Steve Eiserman to not panic and throw him away for nothing last season. Do we get to throw so him under easy. the bus when they lose Ben Bishop for nothing? I don't know that we can. Yeah. He's, he's we could have, right. except apparently it's going to be for not trading him soon enough. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, what, well, that's what it is now. Yeah, Tampa Bay's only four points back now. Yeah, that, they, that, have to, that they have to conference is still, oof, it's still jumbled. Everything's a blur, so I don't even know if I said this on the podcast or before the show, but I know I wrote about it, and I don't think I said it on the show. 
Jonathan Taves averaging more goals per season in his career than Patrick Kane is one of those things that, that stood out to me and, and works to your point, Craig, that they do need him to produce not just not just be the good leader that comes up with a timely play in the corner or makes a defensive play or wins faceoffs or whatever. They do count on him to score goals. They don't need him to score a hat trick and two assists every night. But throughout their careers, Jonathan Taves has averaged just over 27 goals per season. Patrick Kane has averaged just over 25 goals per season. Taking last year out with Kane because obviously he had 46 goals. Mm-hmm. But that is, that's the outlier. So it's not like they get into a position in a game in the playoffs and they're like, Kane will score for us. That's it. They rely on Taves to score too. That was kind of an eye-opener for me. Yeah, it's not not as much to me because I'm a fan. Patrick Kane, I see as more of a playmaker anyway. And yeah, last year was sort of the anomaly. On, on the flip side, Patrick Kane's a money player in the playoffs too. He's yeah. produced for them in the postseason. He's got a, a Stanley Cup winning goal yeah. on his resume. So, but it, back to your point with Taves, yeah, when, when you make the kind of money that these two guys make, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to do it in all these other areas. You have to do it in all areas. Yes. Jonathan Taves has to produce, as I said to you guys off air, I think in a season he has to be at least at 60 points to justify that salary with all the other things that he does so well, being a Selkie Trophy candidate every year, a great face-off man, great leader. He's got to produce. You can't make $10.5 million and not produce consistently. The majority of his points this season really have come in the last two months. He's averaging a point a game since he came back from the back injury. Yeah, so... And look, playing hockey with an injured back is yeah that that will limit you a little bit. So uh, I don't know. I, I just I found that interesting because I think there is this sort of perception of if Patrick Kane doesn't score in the playoffs, they're doomed, and that's how they would lose. They've got other guys on this team. We haven't even mentioned Artemi Panarin or Marian Hossa or Artem Anisimov. Do you feel like the or Duncan Keith or yeah, Brent Seabrook's not terrible. It's just his contract is terrible. Yeah, Duncan, Duncan Keith scored two goals on the Blackhawks last night. Just saying. No, I'm, I'm not hitting on Duncan Keith. I'll, I'll take that guy any day, especially in the postseason. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you feel like he's going to play 38 minutes a night? Yeah. The young players are progressing? No question. Yeah. I, the, the depth players, and that was the big question I had. I, I, first of all, I didn't know if those guys had enough talent, to be honest, to, to get well, to the level know. where they've been in previous cup seasons where that team rolled four lines and it just killed you with their depth. Yeah. But those players have started to progress. I won't even say started now. They've, they've reached another level in their development where they're producing consistently. Ryan Hartman is a, another rookie that nobody's talking about, but he's scoring consistently. They're getting contributions from Nick Schmaltz. That, uh, Richard Ponick, obviously, is a guy who's been around, but he's playing well on that top line as well. They're getting a bunch of different guys to contribute now, and that's, that's what you have to have in the and, postseason. And I think it's even more of a credit that they are able to succeed, a lot of those guys, it's sometimes are currently on that top line. And I think people look at it as like, oh, well, they're playing with Tave, so of course they're scoring. That's, those are tough minutes yeah. to play, and they're still producing. Yeah, because you're matching up. He's yeah. not just a number one center. Yeah. He's a matchup That's trial number by one fire. center. He's doing what Marty Hansel does for the Coyotes at the defensive end. Yeah, they, they give him the toughest assignment. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that speaks to Jonathan Tave's value. I think a lot of it speaks to Joel Quenville, too. I mean, it's It's eerily similar to the Patriots in that they've got their stars and a lot of teams don't have those stars so they know they've just got to plug in a few guys around them to be decent and so at the start of the year you're right you don't know if any of these specific rookies are going to be good enough but when you give Joel Quenville five of them he's going to find two that are good enough he tinkers he tinkers he just continually experimenting and then suddenly boom and he's got 82 games takes to off. work with yes because he knows his team's going to and, make the and they have 82 games to work with uh, by the way because they were stealing points earlier this season because Corey Crawford was playing so well. Now, if they had lost a bunch of those games where they're getting outshot badly, we'd be talking about an entirely different picture right now. But yeah. that, that gave them some wiggle room. 
All right, we're going to talk to Chris Hine at the Chicago Tribune right now to get more insight on the Blackhawks. When we come back, too, we're going to get into the Atlantic Division, which is a complete and total mess. <laughs> uh, I'm not in this interview, so if you're only tuning in just to hear me in the interview. Nobody was. I'm, I doubt you were. I'm going to walk outside the office for Luke a couple contract minutes. only allows him to speak for, what, 40 minutes yeah. every yeah. podcast? I need a break right now. He needs, he needs coffee chai. pre-show every chai show or he doesn't chai. come on the air. Yeah, that's well. Now that's that's true. I mean, you've you've trained me that I need my coffee before the show. So here's Chris Hine of the Chicago Tribune to give us some insight on how uh, how the Blackhawks are being perceived in the city of Chicago right now. We are joined now by Chicago Tribune reporter covering the Blackhawks, Chris Hine. You can find him on Twitter at Christopher Hine H I N E. Chris, how you doing today? I'm good. How you guys doing? Just got in from Minneapolis this morning. Well, it's funny you should bring that up because the Blackhawks have now defeated the Wild in two straight games against the Wild in their arena up in Minnesota, and they seem to be playing their best hockey of the season right now. We'll start with a general question there, Chris. First of all, is that a good read? What's clicking for this team right now? Yeah, I think you know this stretch, seven of their last eight have been wins. All of those seven wins have come on the road. Um, I, I think it's it's the best hockey they've played by far this season. They look like a different team than they did back in October and November. And I think what's clicking right now, and you saw it last night, is that Jonathan Taves is out of whatever slump he was in early in the year, and he's got two line mates that he's just clicking with right now. And, you know, the, the chemistry that they have right now is pretty combustible. They counted for all five goals last night. Taves had a hat trick. Nick Schmaltz made some great plays out there to goal, set up two others. You know, right now, that, that's one of the big things that's been missing from this team, not just this season, but really last season as well. And right now, it seems like they have an answer on the top line now. They're playing well. You never want to get too far ahead of yourself here, but I, I haven't seen a Taves line look like this. Uh, I've been covering the team since my second full season. Now I have not seen a line look like this in two years. Mm. I want to get back to that line chemistry in just a moment. But Jonathan Taves, I believe, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, he's averaging a point a game since he came back from whatever that injury was. Um, is there anything noticeably different in his game? Any reasons that he's provided for why things are going so well for him right now? I mean, he's had. In his last two games against Minnesota, he has eight points. You know, I think uh, I think having a consistent set of line mates has helped. His injury uh, was a back injury back in November, and it was kind of a nagging back injury that was bothering him for a little bit before he ended up sitting out, I think, eight or nine games with it. Um, so early in the year, he was, he was kind of dogged by this injury. He was playing through it, and, and then he finally sat out and shut it down and tried to heal it. Um, so I think that's what was bothering him for the first month, month and a half of the season. And now he's, he's healed from it. You know, even after he was he came back, he was still struggling a little bit. But once Quenville made the switch to this line combination, um, I, think bef- I think it was before the Coyotes game, actually, uh, earlier uh, this month out in, out in Phoenix or Glendale, uh, it, it really has been palpable, the, uh, the connection between the three of them. Taves was kind of saying that he wanted some time to try and gel with a certain set of line mates instead of Quinville just switching it up every game or two if it wasn't working. And right now it's paying dividends. Well, let's explore that a little further because there's been a lot of talk 
around the trade deadline of the Blackhawks maybe adding a piece, and, and a lot of people have identified someone to play with Jonathan Taves as one of the top priorities. Does that change now? Is this is, is their thinking, is, is maybe what Stan Owen was saying earlier about them not making a big deal ringing more true now? I think it is. I think back when Bowman made those comments, it was late last month, it was before this stretch where they won seven of eight games. Um, so I think people were a little skeptical uh, and Bowman kind of professed faith in the current roster. He said, I really think that this roster is going to get better, that the young guys are going to step up and contribute in a major way. And, you know, just a couple games later, he's looking like a bit of a prophet because that's exactly what's happened uh, over the last month or so. And I do think it changes the calculus a little bit as to what you might need at the trade deadline. If you think that you're, you're set on your forward depth, and right now I think their they're four, they're four lines look as good as they, they have all year. Uh, you know, what, what Taze's line has done is allowed Marion Hosta to drop down to create a pretty good third line right now. Um, and they have a Marcus Kruger kind of anchoring a, a fourth line. I, I think it provides a lot of balance throughout their lineup, more so than they had earlier in the year, and maybe it changes their target at the trade deadline. Maybe they still go after a you know a, a forward, or maybe they maybe they look for a defenseman uh, to try and shore up uh, the blue line a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't I'm not sure. We'll see what happens over the next two days. As you know, anything can happen. We're still a week away, um, but I do think it, it it lessens the need to to make a big move. So how good are the Blackhawks right now? I know a lot of a lot of fans and a lot of people in the Blackhawks organization have kind of preached patience, and when you have championship pedigree like most of that roster does, you can afford to be patient. You know, we've you know Craig and I and we've talked on the show a bunch about you know some of their underlying numbers not being quite as good as their cup years. But is this just a matter of them clicking now, and anybody can anybody stop them? Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, they're they're. Uh... Their numbers haven't been as good as in recent years, especially as related to puck possession. But if they're turning a corner right now and they play the second half of the season or the last quarter of the season, you know, and they and they improve their puck possession numbers going into the playoffs, I think that's all that matters is how they're playing once April rolls around. And I think there's a you know they've won seven of eight games, so it's easy to say right now that they look like you know one of the best teams, if not the best team in hockey. But I think you're never you're never quite as good as your as your best moments, and you're never quite as bad as your worst moments. So I think the the truth is somewhere in the middle when it comes to the Blackhawks. But they're definitely trending in the right direction, and I think they're in a better shape right now than they were in October, November, when quite frankly they were stealing some games uh, thanks to some really clutch goals late. Uh, Marion Hosa got hot, Artem Anisimov was hot, Corey Crawford and Scott Darling were playing great. And they were kind of winning games that way. Now they're just, they've been dominating teams, quite frankly, the last month or so. That hadn't been happening earlier in the season. Are they missing anything? Is there one, whether it's a type of a player or a specific player you have in mind, that they could add to to make their team go from just hot right now to one of the best teams in the conference heading into the postseason? It's hard to say, again, because they've been so good of late, but I still think, you know, adding a. Uh, a veteran scoring presence uh, could be could be helpful, um, or maybe going for a, a blue liner. You know, I was I was thinking today. Uh, you know, Johnny Oduya, you know, is is sitting there on the on the Stars roster and expiring contract. No, no Joe Plunville system. I wonder if they 
maybe try to make a play for Johnny Oduya as a, as a member of the Dallas Stars to bring back on the on the Blackhawks instead of maybe Patrick Sharp. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here over the next week. Um, I, I do think that sometimes when I look at some of the moves Stan Bowman has made over the years, um, Antoine Vermette ended up working out because he scored three game-winning goals in the last two rounds of the playoffs. But before that, it wasn't really a trade that was working well for the Blackhawks. And he was a healthy scratch in a number of games even. And last year, Andrew Ladd was, was a big get at the deadline. And, and uh, Bowman played, paid a pretty big price to get him. And I don't think that quite worked out the way they, they had intended because by the end of that St. Louis series, Ladd wasn't playing on the top line with Taves. He was down on a third line with Kruger and Hosa. Sometimes it's the smaller moves that you make, the, like the moves to get a Richard Ponick out of the Maple Leaf system last year that, that has really paid off for them over the last year. And two years ago when they picked up Andrew Desjardins from the Sharks, uh, you know that was kind of a, an under-the-radar kind of trade that they had made. Um, but Desjardins ended up playing a huge role in that cup run in 2015. And um, he's out of the lineup right now, but I think he still provides a pretty steady defensive presence on a bottom line for you. So I'll be interested to see what he does. I just I don't think that the value in trading a high draft pick or a high prospect right now is, is there or that you need to even do that on this roster to make a, a big move. Chris, I want to ask you where you, you stand on this. Do you feel like the Blackhawks have to make a move simply to send the right message to that locker room that, you know, the cup window's open, and, and we're going for it again this year. Is it a bad message if they don't make a move at the deadline? I don't think so, not when you're, not when you're playing the way they are right now. I think, if, I think if, you, if you stand pat and you've won, you know, nine of ten or however many games they might have won by the deadline, I think that the message would be you guys are good enough and we have faith in the roster as it is right now to go make a run. I think the, the core knows that they're in position right now to, to go for it. And if Dan Bowman thinks that they're good enough as constructed, they'll take that message to heart. And if you add someone, I, I just think all around they know that they can be a cup contender whether or not Bowman adds a piece or not. I don't think he needs to, to add anybody just to, for the sake of sending a message. I want to get back to Jonathan Taze for a moment. Um, I don't know where you stand on this, but when a guy's making the kind of money he makes, I know Jonathan does a whole lot of other things for the Blackhawks. He's he's a Selkie Trophy candidate every year. He wins face-offs. He's an incredible leader. There, there are a lot of other things that he brings to the table. But when you're making the kind of money he makes, do you need to produce at the sort of level he's doing lately in order to justify that contract, regardless of what else you do? I think you do, um, and I think at the end of the day, uh, you're, you're not uh, making $10.5 million just to be a good defensive center or a guy that wins face-offs. You're making $10.5 million because you put points on the board. And I, ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Um, all the other things, like you said, all the other things are nice, but they're not worth $10.5 million. Um, I, I, I think it was bothering him early on. He was very open about his confidence issues and you know, he just said, I, I hope, think eventually I'm going to snap out of it. It's happened before. He's had slow starts before, not quite like this, but he has had slow starts the seasons before, and he's picked it up as it's gone along. Um, but I, I, I think he's, he's had a couple of goals go in, and 
like I said, regular line mates, and everything's just kind of coming together right now. He's healthy uh, at the right time for him. Uh, that I think it wasn't coming together quite that way early in the season. Well, to the surprise of a few, the Chicago Blackhawks, as we get closer to playoff time, are, are starting to turn it on again. And that, that team is such a juggernaut every single season. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter, at Christopher Hine, H-I-N-E. Great stuff for the Chicago Tribune. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, Chris, I know you had a lot to do today, and you just got home, so much appreciated. No problem. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, good stuff there from Chris Hine. A couple interesting names uh, he tossed out there, Craig, as potential. Wait, I'm sorry. How, how would you know that was good stuff from Chris Hine? I, you know, I You've already acknowledged that you weren't on the interview. You were taking your coffee break. Chris, uh, Chris always delivers the good stuff, <laughs> so I can just assume. That, no, when you guys do the show without me, I don't. You notice I didn't say good stuff there from Chris Hine, Craig, and Jamie. I just said yeah. from Chris Hine because with you guys, I'm gonna have to go back and listen and make sure. Um, yeah, we don't manage the show well when you're gone. I'll admit yeah, that. Yeah, really. Yeah, it makes me feel more. It is. I said it. I said it out loud. Yeah, we're like the analyst part. You're the one that has to make the smooth transitions because I'm bad at that. Oh, okay. Feeling good now? Can we just let that sink in? You got your caffeine buzz and compliments. I want to make the most awkward transition possible here, but I can't because he mentioned Redim Verbata and he mentioned Johnny Oduya, and those are two players we're about to talk about. Yeah, Oduya is one I didn't think of. Verbata, obviously, I don't want to see Verbata leave. I would. We've talked about this, so we don't need to go into it, but I think he has a lot of value to the Coyotes the rest of the season and beyond if, if he were to come back next year. But he but, does make a lot of sense for Chicago. Yeah, find a more perfect fit for any f- potential uh, pending free agent and a team for a rental. And I don't think you can find a better one than Verbata on that top line with, with Taves in Chicago. Somebody should write about that. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to. It'll be, I've already written about You're it. Already. It's going to run tomorrow. Um, Thursday. Let's talk, yeah, let's talk. Sports.com. You know what? I tried to get back into his bonus situation because I wrote earlier for another website that uh, all of his well, bonuses... He says that's so menacing. You and I both work for that. Yeah, I used to, but I don't there. run it. No, that's true. You don't? No, not just, publicly. It just feels that way yeah. when I walk out of that office. <laughs> yes, that's it. When I'm being berated by everybody in that newsroom. <laughs> for your uh, film choices? Film criticism? I cleared that Should we bring up. that up? I'm, we we, get, we can get all, all of our listeners on your case no, now, too. I don't even for bad-mouthing no. Shawshank no, Redemption. I didn't bad-mouth Shawshank. I said, it's a great movie. How is that bad-mouthing Shawshank? Back to Ready and Verbata. <laughs> so Shawshank Redemption is your Stephen Stamkos. Yes. Okay. Jamie, you acknowledge that Stephen Stamkos is a fantastic player. Yes. You just don't think he's as great as everybody else thinks he is. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Craig, the floor is yours. All right. Redeem Verbata. That coffee break really helped me, too. So the bonuses, apparently some of them get paid by the Coyotes. I think it's the, the two performance bonuses, the games played and now that he's reached 40 points, get paid by the Coyotes this, this last one within 30 days of him accomplishing 40 points. However, I've been told that this, it's, it's not that simple. Never is. And one person told me that it would take a day for me to explain this contract to you. Oh, good. I think we have like 30 more. So I, I gave up on that. I figured I didn't need to do that much work on it. <laughs> <laughs> if you make but it suffice to say, some of leave. the playoff bonuses, I believe, would carry over for Redeem Verbata to a new team that acquires him. And the, his bonus money could count against that team's cap either this year, if they're not over the cap already, or next year, because he's a 35-year-old or older player. Everybody get that? And, yeah, beyond that, it gets really fuzzy. Again, this, this is apparently a really complex deal. At any rate, let's talk about why Verbata is such a good fit if he ends up on Jonathan Taves' line. Now, I, I suppose he could play up and down that lineup. Yeah. And, and lately, when you look at the way Jonathan Taves and Richard Ponick now back to panic, apparently. He's going back to panic again. 
and Nick Schmaltz are playing together, I mean, the, there's so much chemistry on that line. You have to wonder if they want to break it up. They had 10 points last night in St. Paul in a win over the Wild. So there's that to consider. But when you think about what makes Redeem Verbata effective, he finds space. He finds those seams in the defense. And he has a very accurate shot. He's a sniper. He's a goal scorer. Martin Hansel has always been that space-clearing center for him, that net presence center for him. And when he has a playmaking left wing like Ray Whitney, 35 goals that season, or now Max Domi, it's such a good mix for him because not only do you have the space, you have someone getting you the puck. Well, what does Chicago have right now? They have a much better version of Martin Hansel and Jonathan Taves, who, by the way, is scoring at a point-per-game clip since he returned from the injury. And now Nick Schmaltz, who just set up a ridiculous goal last night for Taves with a half-spinorama backhand pass from behind yeah. the net onto Taves' stick. It was sick. So I think this is a really good fit for them if they want to go down this road. And I don't think Verbot is the kind of guy that's going to cost Chicago no. a ton. So it, it, it's, it's a great fit. He's a, he fits the system. He fits the role. He can play all over the place. I he, hate this. I, he, make, yeah, like you said, Jamie, sense. earlier, he, he plays against he plays tough minutes. Yeah. He plays against top he talent. He plays against they, top line now. It's, it's not going to be a surprise to him when he's playing this, the minutes Jonathan Tace has to play, both in quantity and quality of minutes. That, that's what he does now. Such a good fit for the Coyotes, but it makes a lot of sense for Chicago, and he doesn't cost that much so they can fit him under the cap. To me, and look, this is not the first time we've discussed Verbata to Chicago on this show for a lot of these reasons. He's the, he's the quintessential Blackhawks move. We've got our star players. We're going to go out and get a guy that's cheap at the trade deadline. We're not going to make a huge move. We're not going to go out there and make some crazy trade. We're going to trade for a guy that we can afford to fit under the cap that we can get more value from because we can play him with Jonathan Taves. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's just a per- – again, if you can play for Tippett, you can play for Coach Q. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Can we just say that on the air, by yeah, the way? For all it. the people who critique Dave Tippett's style, always oh, forcing these offensive players to play too much defense. He's playing the same system as Joel Quenville. They're good buds. They're reading from the same book. The difference is the roster they're working yes. with. Yeah, Quenville has had an all-star roster here for a while. Yes. Since not the, taking anything away yeah. from him. And since the lockout, the half-season lockout ended, the Coyotes have had probably the worst continuous roster, talent poor-wise, in, in the league. There was one very difficult year in there. Yes. Um, we've reached my quota of Blackhawks talk. Okay, okay. I just want to point out something that, Chris, guy. I mean, they did make a big move yeah. last year at the deadline for Andrew Ladd that didn't yes. work out. Maybe that made them a little gun-shy to make those yeah. big moves where you're giving up way too much. And well, and they can't afford to this year anyway. In the end, it didn't pay off. And they made one with the Coyotes. Like they, get two posts, but. And they made one with yes. the Coyotes the year prior that didn't pay off until it did. Until and it Antoine, right. Vermette. Antoine Vermette, yeah. But yeah. Rabada's the guy that's going to score 10 goals in the postseason when the, when the Blackhawks win the Cup. Well, and when he gets hot, and we've seen it here firsthand, when he gets rolling, he, he'll give yeah. you six goals in he'll four games. Power play the way Taves is playing right now, yeah. <laughs> I would, who wouldn't want to play on that yeah. line right now? All he'll, right. He'll throw up power play minutes, he'll throw up even strength minutes. If you need him to kill a penalty in a pinch, he'll kill a penalty. Like, a, Good luck not finding a fit for him. I want nothing more to do with this. He's well-liked. He's funny. Like there's, there, I can't see – I don't see a downside. Like he's not going to enter the He's locker well room. liked. Well, I mean, it, I mean, he's got a good haircut. Not, and when, when, you, when you're a core locker room, do you want to bring in a somebody that's not? They might, uh, they might not get along. That's to make Coyotes fans feel good about this, you know, he'd come back next year, especially if Shane Doan's gone and Martin Anzel's gone. They need veteran leadership. Yeah. They know he gives it to them. He wants to be here, and in that situation, I think he'd come back. This is this is what I want. I want Redding Verbata on the Coyotes next year. If he if they need to trade him this year, if it makes sense, that's fine. I would prefer it wasn't to Chicago, but I feel like it will be. And also, again, not this it didn't quite work out exactly the way that maybe pie in the sky would with the Vermette situation when he comes back. 
But if he comes back with a ring, talk about what that will say to the young guys in that room. Yeah. I mean, it comes in, okay, here's how you play with stars. Here's what you have to do to go through that grind. Because Ramada's been to the Western Conference Final, but he's never been to a cup. So it's going through that grind, especially when you're looking in a locker room, like, you know, likely without Martin Hansel, I think the decent chance without Shane Doan next year. I mean, you need some leadership. Mm-hmm. Would that set a record, by the way? Has anybody looked into that? Come back to a team four times? I'm or sure be with a team four times? looked into it. Does he want to be the record setter? He doesn't know. I actually asked him. He doesn't know if it's a record. How many times did the I'm carries curious. wave and unwave Paterno Okalainen? I'm serious. About I, that doesn't way. count. I don't think that's the same as yeah, a guy. You actually, actually have to leave you with another team. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the Calder race here. Well, we well hold up. Let's let's mm. talk about one more Johnny thing. Oh, Johnny yeah. Oduya. That's right, an interesting name because, about that. Right. especially since the Blackhawks like to acquire ex-Blackhawks. Blackhawks, yes. Well, he does know the system. John... Chris Hine brought this up. We're, we're not taking any credit for this. Chris Hine yes. brought this up that Johnny Oduya might be another fit. Also on an expiring contract. I believe he makes 3.75 with Dallas this year. Yes. He knows the system. He was there. He won a cup with the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. So he would plug in very nicely and maybe give them some, some more blue line depth because, let's face it, Brian Campbell hasn't been what the Blackhawks hoped he would be no. on that roster. The second they took Campbell away from Ekblad, it's been a disaster. Quick uh, side note on Oduya, because we were looking at his contract situation and looking at Dallas's roster. Dallas's roster is going to look really different before the next time they're dangerous again. Right? It's amazing, isn't it? All the guys, all the big names, well, guys who've been big names in the past that are nearing the end of their careers that are all coming off the books this year. Yeah, uh, and as Jamie pointed out uh, off the air, it's a good thing they have both their goalies signed for next year too. But then they're both unrestricted free agents the following year. I think they're happy about that. Yeah. Yes. So let me ask you this: When when is Dallas a threat again? Because we already kind of pointed out they're probably missing the playoffs this year. The only thing that's going to change next year is they're going to lose a bunch of talent. They'll have Spezza and Sagan and Ben and Cody Eakin and John Klingberg and their goalies. It's that's be about well. it. Huh? We'll talk in 2018-19. Probably. That's probably the season. It's probably That's not crazy. next year. You probably think about next year as a transition season. Then those goalies come off the I, books, too, and yeah. you can really think about I can't see how retooling. they get better next year. I don't, I don't know where they would get better. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, even if they go out, this is the thing people need to realize. There are not very many good unrestricted free agents this summer. Last year, there was a ton, and a lot of them resigned with their teams. Like Anze Kopitar, people only remember yeah. was in the, I mean, because he resigned so quickly. But there are none. Yes. So if you're trying to completely rebuild through free agency this year, good, good luck. luck. Yeah, so to, just to rattle off those names that come off the books, that well-known veterans who have been successful NHL players, Patrick Sharp, off the books, Alesh Hemsky, off the books, Yuri Hoodler, off the books, Johnny Oduya, off the books. Those are some really helpful players who have had good success in their careers, but you take those pieces out and, yeah, wow, what does Dallas have? They they need to retool it. They, they probably need to think about a two- to three-year plan at that point, but they, they can't wait much longer than that because you want Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn in their prime, and, and Jamie Benn's 27 years old, so you don't want to get too far down the road. Yeah, and if you go two, three years, you know, Spez is probably out of the picture for you as well. Patrick Eves off the books, too, and he leads the team with 21 goals this year. I mean, you don't expect him to lead the team in goals. He's mm. tied with Tyler Sagan. Thanks for mentioning that, yeah. Uh, it's shocking if you think about the fact that we're talking about Dallas almost not rebuilding but retooling when a year ago at this time they had the best record in hockey. They won the division, yeah. 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 So the best division in hockey last year. They yeah. won it. On to the uh, the Calder and the Hart. I want to talk about both of these, all right? Okay. So where do you want to start? I'll let you guys pick. It's like a choose your own adventure. I feel like you, I feel like you should start Luke because, you know, you you're well rested. Thank you. Yeah. I, I just take days off during the season like LeBron James. Or time off during our podcast. Yeah. Know, whatever it takes. Let's start with the Calder, because I think you guys agree with me on this <laughs> one. 
Yes. Very much so. Uh, Patrick Laine and Austin Matthews played again last night, surrounded by the Winnipeg Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it was another great show. It was. Those two are not only as good as advertised that they were coming into the draft for the previous year, they're better. I mean, they, to me, have exceeded expectations. They're ridiculous. One of them will win the Calder. I don't think you can go wrong. I'd probably still go Matthews. But if Line A runs away with the goals race and he played less games, he's going to get a lot of consideration. Beyond those top two, the narrative that I've heard on multiple national, I guess international, because you're counting Canada too, shows... Go ahead and say has, Well, I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Okay, there's those top two. Mitch Marner's a given as the third finalist. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> you sound like Donald Trump there. Wrong. I feel about that. <laughs> uh, and I thought maybe, you know, maybe I'm mishearing things. Maybe it's not just, hey, he plays for Toronto, so he's instantly better than guys on other teams. <laughs> Until they said... And then if you're going fourth, you'd have to go, I guess maybe Zach Wierenski, who should be a finalist. That's my narrative. Or Willie Nylander. Now, come on. Are we really going? And I'm convinced we are. The three finalists for the Calder Trophy this year, it's going to be Matthews and Line A. And it's going to be somebody from Toronto. It's just going to be whichever Toronto player they like the most. Not even taking into account the fact that Zach Wierenski has been better than anybody on Toronto except Austin Matthews. And Matt Murray's one of the best goalies in the league. And oh, by the way, he's a rookie, so do your research. Yeah, and he's tied for fourth in the NHL on save percentage. And, and, it, and Pittsburgh gives up the fifth most shots in the league. Yeah, yeah, but other than that. Yeah, and it's, I wrote about this, was it last mentioned. week that I wrote about this, or two yeah. weeks ago? That he, he's going to get ignored by a lot of people, and I'm sure part of it is because he went to the Cup. Other, other people are probably just forgetting that he's a rookie and even eligible. But How can you vote if you don't know who the players are eligible? That's a loaded question, my friend, and that that crosses over all sports. Yeah, about to say, that that is not a hockey-specific issue. Let me ask you this, because, Craig, you have voted in the past. When they give you the ballot, do they give you a list of players, or do you just write them in? You write them in. So people literally are going to vote, and then when I go off at the awards show this year, they're going to be like, oh, I didn't even realize Matt Murray was a rookie. That's what's going to happen. You're going to hear that. Yeah, I, I guarantee you're going to hear that I, from somebody in that, in that room. I pray we do not hear that, but it's possible we'll I, hear that. I'm I mean, there's so much win. chatter about these awards as we're leading into them that anybody who's voting is, is, is likely at least reading You'd hope. to better inform themselves. But you know. just treat him <laughs> yes, like he's I, one of the five I or six hope. best goalies in the league. Which is weird because he plays for the Penguins. But, like, if he played for the Jets or he right, played not, for yeah. the Wild, I'd be like, okay, they're going to completely ignore him. East Coast team that's, I don't know, just won the cup because of him. He you, could you have won think the they would be like, Smythe. oh, yeah. I don't, I'm convinced it is some sort of combination of who's also Canadian. Toronto's so good, we're so excited. If Line A wasn't having a great year, you know there would be the push for, well, let's have Matthews, Marner, and Nylander be the three finalists. And Connor Brown, is he still a rookie? Can he win it this year? Yeah. So to me, it's just, it's amazing that a Finnish winger in Winnipeg is getting more, <laughs> infinitely more attention than a Canadian goalie on the defending Stanley Cup champions in Pittsburgh. But just he, think about that for he a He has second. to score on every shift to get that much attention, which is what he's doing. But still. No, it's absurd. And I don't even know. You guys can tell me, because I guess there's maybe some Penguins biased in here. Is that more absurd? Or is the fact that everybody knows Wierenski's a rookie, and he's not getting conversation as, as a finalist? Well, he's in Columbus. Yes, but, that's what uh, yeah. it is, right? So that, 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 I, that I'm not shocked by. It's really, absurd. I mean, it is absurd. He's sixth overall in points among rookies as a defenseman. His his possession numbers are ridiculous. They're way better than Mitchell Marner's, by the oh, way. Yeah, yeah but the, yeah, that doesn't shock me. That combination because Mitch Marner 
played in London and now he's playing in Toronto and that's everybody up there just so, going to talk him up. I think we're all in agreement here, like you said at the top of this. Uh, Patrick Laine and Austin Matthews are probably 1-2 in this conversation, but to me, the number three, the guy that's going to be on the final ballot is between Murray and Wierenski, and it's really hard to leave one of those guys off. And they're both going to get left off. I will make that bet with you right now. They both yeah. get left off. If that off. happens, that's, that's criminal. That's it ridiculous. should not happen. One of those guys should be on there. What, what's going to be really hard is the number four guy. It, yeah. Either one of those guys, I don't know how I'm going to decide that. I yeah. really don't know how I'm going to decide that. It's going to, I'm going to have to wait, obviously, for the, the season to play out and see what happens. But you vote off the regular season. And right now, both of those guys, yeah. I mean, in any other year, it's just been such a good Calder year. Any other year, those guys are easily finalists. But one of them is not going to make it. Maybe That's both, like you thing. said. A, a typical year, not, you know, not, well, I guess last year McDavid didn't play the whole season, but Panarin was ridiculous. But your typical year... I would say Wierenski or Murray probably wins it. Yeah, this is a much better Calder race than last year. Mm-hmm. Much and how about, better. Like guys like Sebastian Aho and Anthony Mantha, Matthew Kachuk, and Matthew Kachuk for yep. sure. And Willie, Sp- Sebastian Aho is a good name too that you, you brought yeah. up. But not, all those not, guys not have fallen enough. off the race. I mean, they're they're off the pace now too. So it's no, I, there's no way they're going to be anywhere near the, even the top five or six. Mm-hmm. But it's just they are getting overshadowed. Sebastian Aho could score 25 goals this year and not be in the top five or six. Yeah, well, I mean, he that's in Carolina. See the thing. Do you think Line could run away with the scoring? I mean, he's played four more games, four fewer games than Austin Matthews, but he only only has two more goals than him right now. Yeah, I, just, I don't think he's going to run he's away. He's got three hatchets. Well, what's your definition of running away? I mean, I, mean, I can see him scoring. Panera. What does he have to distance yeah. himself from Matthews for you to vote for him over Austin Matthews? How many how many more points or goals would he need than Austin Matthews for him to be the rookie of the year in your mind? Given the fact that Austin Matthews plays center and it's a uh-huh. a position with way more I, responsibility. I would probably still vote Matthews because he's a center. So, how, but how many points? Well, to me, it would be specifically goals. If Line has like ten more goals, it's going to be tough to say no okay. to that. Yeah. But uh, you know. Winnipeg was should have already been a good team anyway before Line got there. I know this is not the MVP. He's playing with Shifley too, which is yeah. nice. But Matthews has resurrected Toronto instantaneously. Agreed, agreed. Did, and did and you, you know, I, I want to know how good Mitchell Marner and William Nylander are if Austin Matthews isn't in Toronto right now. Yeah. Absolutely. How much of an impact is he making on the rest of the lineup? A lot. I obviously. think so too. I mean, they're both having good seasons. I'm not trying to disparage what they're doing, but to me, they're down there closer to the Sebastian Ajos of the world and behind Matt Murray and Zach Wierenski. Yep. Over to the Hart Trophy. Mm. I go back and forth on this, so I just want to have a conversation on this. Okay. okay? Uh, at the moment, Connor McDavid has 67 points. Sidney Crosby's played seven less games, has 66 points and 13 more goals, and then Brent Burns has two less points uh, than Crosby's. To me, those are the three. Although we should point out Mark Scheifele has 62 points and 25 <laughs> it goals. It does, and it helps that he's setting up Patrick Laine. Yeah, but but yeah, Scheifele's having a terrific year. And Nicholas Backstrom is another one. In fact, oh. uh, uh, Isabel Kershidian just wrote a story for the Washington Post and actually emailed me. She emailed a bunch of writers asking if Nicholas Backstrom would be in your... First of all, is he in your top five? Is he in your top three? Would you vote for him as the MVP of the league? So it was, it was interesting to hear. The, the significant percentage was that 18% said he would be in the top three, which was a little bit higher than I thought, yeah, actually. It's surprising, just given the, the guys at the top this year. Right. It's, it, it's, so, it's, it's almost clear cut with those three guys. Shifley is it, it's too bad for him because the Edmonton Oilers without Connor McDavid are still a trash heap of a team. Yeah. Sidney Crosby has done this in fewer games, seven fewer games than Connor McDavid. I still think he's going to win Best the points the race world. at the end of the season. And Brent Burns, come on. He's going to score 30 goals. He's a defenseman. He's in Brent the top Burns three in scoring. His season's just un- unreal. Ridiculous. The goal he scored against his, the Coyotes his, his here the other night. His strength, too. 
I know he plays a ton of power play time, but this is all even strength. Mm -hmm. And I'm convinced that he has found a different way to shoot the puck. I'm convinced he has a, a, a not that he always uses it, but he does put something else on some of those shots where they almost English. slide in sideways. <laughs> yeah, and look, it's working. I mean, why? I don't know why more defensemen don't do it. Maybe they do, and they're just not as successful with it. So if those are your three guys, and Patrick Kane and Evgeny Malkin both have 60 points, but, I mean, not this year. No, not this year. Well, we should also mention Devin Dubnik, although he's been sliding a little bit lately, so maybe not as much in that conversation. He's probably just a Vezina yeah. Trophy winner. If, if you were back up, you know, around 940 in save percentage, you'd have to consider a guy who's threatening to set the all-time save percentage record as an MVP. But. Yeah, but I still don't know if he cracks the top three this year. because I don't to, think so. To me, the case for each of them is McDavid obviously has saved the Oilers. Um, I think Crosby's having a better year than McDavid. He's got more goals, less games, and like you said, he's probably going to win the points race. This is one of Crosby's best offensive years I can mm -hmm. remember. He's much better defensively than McDavid. If it's just the two of them, I'm voting for Crosby. He's had a better year. I get the argument that McDavid has saved the Oilers, but if you only use that argument, then why wouldn't your finalist just be McDavid, Matthews, and, I don't know, pick another guy that has basically dragged his team to the playoffs? Yeah, I, I don't think that's the only criterion that people use when measuring it, but, but I think that's it's a big one. that's the only McDavid's winning over Crosby. Not necessarily. I mean, what if he wins a scoring race over him? Well, if he does, but to me, you know, to your earlier question of how many more goals does Line A have to score than Matthews, if McDavid wins the scoring race by one point over Crosby and he's got 18 less goals and he's played seven more games, that's not enough for me. Brent Burns is the MVP, though. He right? may be. I he mean, may that, be. That would be my vote. He's not going to win it. Probably not, because he's going to win the Norris and people will just say, oh, he won yeah, the Norris, so the, why give him the, the MVP when? Because he's doing ridiculous things from, from defense. Yeah. I, what does I, he have to do to win it? If see, he wins the scoring title, he wins. You're correct? saying Brent Burns wins. I, uh, he should be the MVP. That would I, be my vote. Connor McDavid has a really strong argument yeah. here, in my opinion. All I think it's a strong argument, but I would go Burns, Crosby, McDavid right now. And I'm worried that... I think I might go Burns, McDavid, Crosby, actually. I think that McDavid's probably be my, my voting. going to win because he's saved the Canadian team this well, year. Well, there's that. And Again. I don't think it really matters what Crosby or Burns does. Can we talk about how Connor McDavid is actually very poor in the face-off circle? And some of that's just experience and age, but yeah, he's, he's but not a good face-off I don't man. remember him being that great in Erie either. Like He's this, not a this was a player thing. yet either. I mean, yeah. when you swing, you, you know, if you're going to score 95 points, I guess you live with it. But that's that's that is a flaw in his game. I'm fine. I don't want to go down the Shawshank path here. So just give me a second. I'm fine if McDavid wins the MVP for the reasons we've laid out. If it is simply a, we've got to get him that MVP. Look how long he's been in the league without one. It's been a year and a half. So the. He's tweet gonna, you put out is the natural hat, hat trick podcast in which Luke Lipinski calls Connor McDavid overrated, right? No, yeah. that's not okay. accurate. That didn't happen. Um, he's going to win five Hart trophies in his career. There's two guys more deserving this year. Who's your top five? We just mentioned the top three. I, I think I have Backstrom and Dubnik in my top five. That's, that would be my five guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably go the order of Burns, Crosby, McDavid. Dubnik Backstrom, but Dubnik's got to get going again here. Mm -hmm. get yeah, up there. Yeah, Minnesota somehow same. slides out of first place in the division. Because I mean, with Backstrom again, you can use the same argument against him that you can use against Crosby and even Burns. If he's not on that team, they're still a playoff team. Right. With Dubnik and McDavid, you couldn't use. Well, that. I'd hate to see their center position without him, though. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, those would be my top five. Okay. Guy Boucher, Jack Adams. Uh, make your argument. Well, I, I'm not making an argument for him. I'm just saying that Ottawa is in line to win that division. I just, I can, if that happens, yeah, 
you're you're playing with the least talented roster, I would say, of the five yeah. teams, six teams in contention, right? Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Florida, Boston, Tampa Bay are all. So still that happens to be like a, a businessman with like a half a dozen bankruptcies, being named president. Yeah, I, I just can't happen. see it happening. Okay, so Boucher is going to win, is what you just said. Uh, businessman, I use that term loosely. Ottawa's two points behind Montreal for first in the Atlantic. They've played two less games, and not only do they have a thin roster, everybody's hurt on that thin roster. <laughs> I, I have no explanation he for the Ottawa Senators. They perplex me. Doesn't he? They vex me. But when they vex you, don't you have to look at the coach and say, "Hey, you're doing something right." I guess, yeah. It's as good a place to look as any for reasons behind the Ottawa Senators' success. I'm, I'm not saying you should I, win. I simply can't explain it. So, so let's just look then broad picture at the Atlantic. It's not inconceivable, and I don't think it's going to happen, but it's not impossible that Montreal could miss the playoffs at this point. I can't see that happening. Come on. You see them falling out of the playoffs? No, no, no. I said it's not inconceivable. Okay. They're, they're six points away from dropping out of the playoffs right now. Five points, rather, from dropping mm-hmm. out of the playoffs. I'm not playing very good hockey. And well, they did beat the Rangers last night. They did. That was that was a. If they don't win that game last night, maybe we are having a different conversation. But uh, they've also played more games than everybody else around them too. So it's not. I guess the point here is that they can't just coast like it looked like they were going to do. Have you seen the Ottawa Senators' possession numbers? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. They just work hard. That's it. Ugh. Grittiest team in the league, says Luke. I, how else are they winning? I I don't know. And they're winning a lot. It just feels. Like fool's gold to me. It, does. it feels like it's just ready. I feel like that team's out in five games. This season, yeah. What? The team's out in five games in the first round. I, that's how I feel too. Yeah, they're losing in the first round, and the next year they'll come back and they won't be as good. Yeah, that's because fair. they're gonna have they're gonna have to play the Rangers or the Blue Jackets. Not right now. They'll play Toronto. Yep. Would they? Yep. Yeah. Right, right now, now they would. Wouldn't um, they play the? If they win the division, wouldn't they? Oh, play you're the, saying if they, yeah, win, if they the win the division, they would play the highest wild card team. Which yeah, they don't want to win. The, that's the other side of this. That. Ottawa, what are you doing? You don't want to catch Montreal. <laughs> well, they probably didn't slow realize. your roll. It's like when you're running or something, you don't realize the guy in front of you stopped. They don't realize Montreal has just gone into complete stationary mode. But uh, yeah, because the, the guy in front of you has stopped because there's a, a, a tiger loose on the track in front of you. No, <laughs> you don't want to be in the front of the back here. It's a good reason. To you're stop. about to get mauled. And also a very weird <laughs> Olympic event, but one that I would watch. So. Toronto's not even that far out of winning the division either. Nope. And yeah. Florida, can we talk about Florida? 8-1-1 one one in their last Wait, let's 10. talk about the Eastern Conference Cup favorites, the Boston Bruins. Okay. <laughs> Are they still the Cup favorites? <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't looked since then. Uh, sort of felt like that site lost credibility. <laughs> <laughs> Were you on Boston.com? No. Oh. They're only a point out of a playoff spot. It's not like they're done. I mean, yeah. they might be the Eastern Conference favorites to make the playoffs. Make a run through the... Yeah. Metro, they will knock off done. all those teams. <laughs> be done by April, but uh, yeah, Florida eight one one in their last ten. I heard the stat on the way over here, and I want to make sure I get it right. Teams that have switched coaches now, you can even put Florida in there because they're winning yeah. 40, 18, and twelve since making the coaching switch this year, and a lot of that Only is in the Florida. NHL. It's crazy. So now, I mean, we assume Boucher gets them to the playoffs this year, and then they fire him midseason next year to get a <laughs> jolt. Or what's didn't didn't the team already do that? I, are we interested in Florida at all? Sounds like it. I mean, they did win the division last yeah, year. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't. I, when I look at that roster, no, yeah, I don't, I don't think, they were think they're capable. Florida, Ottawa. They've got some nice pieces. First round. Who are you picking? Florida. Who? Let's say Florida and Ottawa play in the first round. Oh, God. 
It'd be one. That's uh, the CNBC. My game. phone just started. That's the CNBC series that starts on Friday. Say, I would be one series that I probably yeah. wouldn't watch. That, that's the off. That's the off day series. They run every like Friday, Monday. Right. It's possible that's Bill Daly calling me saying, "Don't ever mention that series again." <laughs> Please, God, God help us. A lot of blood <laughs> in the air. All right, we'll just pretend that never happened then. Uh, to the Western Conference. I feel like we at least need to discuss the fact that the LA Kings, as we are now heading towards the trade deadline, are not currently in a playoff spot. Mm. But Jonathan Quick may be on his way back. Yes, Jeff Zakoff was waived this as we were doing our podcast, so that's probably a good sign for Jonathan Quick's return. And you know, they're, they're two points behind Calgary with the game in hand. They're tied with Winnipeg with four fewer games played. I just kind of feel like they're going to end up in that last wild card spot. So congratulations. Wow. Uh, I mean, the wild, that, that wild card played. spot is not. I mean, you could you could pass Nashville too. You, there's yeah. two teams you can catch you easily. Could pass there, St. That. Louis too. St. Louis two points ahead of Nashville. Yeah. Uh, I did although not. St. Realize. Louis is playing much. Although they've lost their last two games, so maybe they're going right back in. Winnipeg right. has played their entire schedule at this point. That's <laughs> the unbalanced schedule right. this year. Right. They they haven't had their bye yet. I take it. Or have I they had their sure bye? I can't not. remember. Nine teams are having their bye this week. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so nine teams are about to lose in, in a week and one day? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. When we do this show next week, it's going to be completely different. L.A., gut feeling, in or out at the end of the year? In. In. Okay. What about Calgary? In facing Minnesota. Oof. <laughs> Here you go, Wild. I'm going to go out on Calgary because that's the spot I think they take. I think Nashville hangs on. Okay, so you think Nashville and L.A. get the wild cards? Yeah. L.A., uh, San Jose in the first round would be entertaining again. I think L.A. gets them if they play this year in the First round series. I'm not sure. I'm not, I think LA's in, but I'm not sure who makes it between Nashville, Calgary. But we we think Winnipeg is is pretty much. I just don't. I don't trust they don't them have enough to, to go on any kind yeah, of consistent streak to get left. into the playoffs. And when do they get good? Like good enough? They, to, should, be. they should be. They should be a should playoff be. team. I mean, well, they really? need to fix their goaltending situation, which has been a problem now for horrible last night. Ever. Horrible I hear Mark Andre Fleury is available if they'd like to give Pittsburgh anything. Uh, and I'll just say this to close out the show, just so I can get Jamie's reaction. Vancouver? Any? No. Stop it. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're not going to talk about Colorado in, anymore. Well, can we just figure out what they're doing? They're losing. Why are they losing this much? This I, is... I still can't figure it out. Well, I mean, their blue line could be better, their goaltending could be better, but they they have weight. This is a far more talented team than the Buffalo team that was trying to lose at the end of the season, as you've made that comp, and they're not going to even match their point total. Yeah, well, I know we looked this up previously. It's been a long time, but what, I'm trying to remember what the, the lowest point total in an 82-game season well, the, was. Well, the lowest was Washington as an expansion team. They won like eight games or okay. something. Yeah, or something stupid. But like if they you lost take, 70 games. Yeah, if you take that out, though. Yeah, we looked this up earlier. What, of equal interest to me would be what is the largest gap in an 82-game season between the last place team and the 29 team? Right now, the, the Avalanche is 14 points behind the Coyotes who are playing well. The Coyotes are playing well now, but they weren't in the first half of the season. Right. They shouldn't be 14 points. points ahead of a team. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I know that they don't have a ton of depth, and that's me putting it nicely. <laughs> but we just rattled off some decent players they have. Nathan McKinnon, Matthew Shane, Miko Rantanen. Tyson Berry. Gabriel Landeskog. That's enough where you shouldn't be the worst team, and you definitely shouldn't be historically bad. Yeah, they have I agree. thirty-five points. They're twenty-three games below five hundred. Twenty-three games below NHL five hundred. Why don't they have better depth? What is going on? They obviously, there? haven't drafted well to fill in around them. But what, what about free agency? You haven't identified anyone either. No, I'm trying to remember. Well, like, what's their what was their big free agent signing? Was it Ginla? 
Is that a trade? Like, I can't remember how, how he got there, but... He probably really... can't remember how he got there. Yeah. And he's probably wondering why he's there. They had Mikhail Botker for a cup of coffee. Yeah, that worked out well. And everything fell apart once they did that. They were a playoff contender last year <laughs> this time. Hawks Tangay was significantly better for his new team than Botker was. He was. He's also on NHL Network now. I just saw him yeah. the other day. Maybe they That's because he recently Wood. retired. Yeah, like two weeks ago, yeah. right? Yeah, yes. that the nice... No, I'm, I'm retiring. Yeah, I think the league kind of told you that. I'm going to quickly look make sure there's been no trades while we've done this podcast. Okay. Um, we'll oh, just pause. John, yeah, we'll Jonathan just, we'll just... Taves was dealt to St. Louis for right. Kevin Shattenkirk. Right. Yeah, you got Shattenkirk. Right. No. no. All right, any uh, final notes here before we wrap it up? I'm good. No. Did you have an overrated band you wanted to throw out? Oh, yeah. We're supposed list? to do the... Uh, oh, Craig did. I'm going to get crushed here. Yeah, you are. Uh, by me, specifically. Yeah, go ahead. Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Craig was on this tangent the other night. Same, same sort of argument. I, I get it. They're, they're a solid band, but it's not like they're groundbreaking or done anything historically significant like the Beatles. Some, some of my friends compare, saying they're the next Beatles. No, they're not. Well, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even, that comp doesn't make any sense. This, nope. this is what I'm learning about overrated lists. A lot of it is... Definition? We, <laughs> or just like what, what you're around. You know, like, you need different friends, I guess. I don't know. And, and I need to not look at the, the top 100 movies list. I don't know <laughs> when you get into a debate about Shawshank, but I like the Foo Fighters. They're one of my favorite bands, but they're not the Beatles. They're, they're a solid band. Yeah, they're, they're not one of my favorite bands. They have, they have good not songs. A, there's not a song that I'll go after and say, yeah, I really yeah. want to hear that song. There's, there's no song the Foo Fighters have written that is on my have-to-listen-to list. They're better alive than in, uh, Okay. I'll, I'll tell you that. Any, any overrated bands there, Jamie? Was this just a list for you to take a shot at the Foo Fighters? Yeah, that's pretty well. I was trying to engage you guys in some kind of lists. I mean, we, we don't do our work most well, of the time. The on first the show, one that came so. to mind, just because it's, we're inundated with it by the NHL fallout boy. Ugh. They've had one good song ever. That's it. You have to name that song now. Uh, it's, you have uh, to put yourself I'm trying to remember there. if this is the actual right name. Is it, is it Sugar, We're Going Down Swinging? Is that that whole? Yeah, I think so. That, I think they use that whole thing. That, yeah. Which came out, what, in the mid-90s? No. When did that, that come it out? It came out like 2003. But they, they've Whatever. had some other okay songs. But I'm, I'm with you. And if that's you're going to go down that path, I'll say Nickelback is extremely oh. overrated, well, I, too. Uh, I'm with yeah, you but that, I mean, that, that's the easy answer. Well, yes, and you're talking to a guy. I think who they're now properly. I think they're now list. properly rated. I think the the backlash has has gotten to them. Although they're making millions and doing. By the way, they are. Remember when they tried to play live at what was it? The NHL was it? The NHL. Uh, they played draft, every NHL like the, for a while. the the All Star draft. Yes. And it was really pathetic. See that, See, that kills it for me. If you can't perform live, that just ruins it. Ruins everything for me. Are we th- throwing individual performers in this? Yeah, why not? Crossing over genres? Because Drake? Just kill me. Yeah, I saw Drake just live at Coachella two years ago, and he's not better live. He's worse live. I'd um, imagine. Maybe about, if he wrote his own stuff, he would, you know. If you, uh, yeah, that would help probably. Or maybe it wouldn't help. I don't know. If you just pull up top ten most overrated bands on, on the internet. You pretty much can just go to the Grammys and start naming yeah. the most overrated musicians. Well, this is the it's thing. It's all a popularity contest, though. If, if you pull up most overrated bands, you see Nirvana, Led Zeppelin. Like, you see all the good bands that people just specifically don't like. So I'm, I don't agree yeah, with Yeah, to call Led Zeppelin overrated bands. is yeah, insanity. Yeah. In fact, those are great bands. Yeah. Uh, let me throw one out here at you. Okay. And I'm not trying to attack a classic. I'm just trying to get your guys' thoughts on this. What about the Doors? Because they don't appeal to everybody, which in, no. in, in a way, music, that's what you're, you're not supposed to appeal to everybody. So I'm not saying they're overrated. I'm just, they're on this list. I think you can make an argument there, actually. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I, in fact, 
good friends of ours, the, the woman, the wife, just hates the doors. Just will leave the room when we put, put on the doors. Ironically, she has to walk through a door to leave, too. Right. <laughs> Maybe it's because they're mentioned with the other great bands of that era. Like, yeah. they're thrown in there. Like, wait, wait, wait. With wait, the Rolling call, Stones, call, call, the Who, yeah, Led like Zeppelin, I, and the yeah, Doors. Pull, pull no. them out. And the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, not in that. No. And when you, here's, here's the other side of this, that I, I know there are people who think that Jim Morrison was a musical genius, but when you listen to him in interviews, you, you realize, actually, he doesn't have a lot going on upstairs and often speaks incoherently. Well, there's also people that think Jim Morrison was actually Val Kilmer because that's... that's <laughs> he nailed that performance, that the... by the way. He nailed that performance. Uh, all right, I think on that note, I think we're good. Who's the most overrated team in the NHL? Ottawa? Yes. Okay, there we go. Actually, does anyone rate them highly? I, said, I don't think anybody challenging for a division title. Maybe they're the most underrated team in the NHL. <sighs> Maroon 5, actually, that's a great one. That's, that, <laughs> yes. that, that, yeah, that one okay. That would get my number one, two, three, four, and five. And everybody hates Coldplay. Interesting. They're not, they're not as bad as Maroon 5. No. All right, that's going to do it for us. For uh, Jamie Eisner, Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast.